The Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. New features like the available Pro Access Tailgate improves access to bed and cargo, including when towing a trailer, so it's easier to load in tight spaces. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro Access Tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Bully Ray talk about AEW and NXT like we do every single Thursday. We get into NXT and somebody who has got us emotionally invested in this roller coaster ride, and that's Drake Maverick. Even in a loss, he wins. We'll explain why on this edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Also, we get into AEW and that main event between Cody Rhodes and Jungle Boy and a couple of possible seeds planted when it comes to Cody Rhodes. We'll explain all that on this edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Drake Maverick ain't going anywhere. He is still an NXC superstar, even in the loss. And... What a wonderful job. You know, you talk about storytelling, Bully. This is something that we don't see on Monday Night Raw, where you really are emotionally invested in Drake Maverick. And in the process, they got that Cruiserweight Championship over as well because early on in the tournament, I'm like, why should I get up for this? Because that Cruiserweight and the 205 Live and everything else, how can I get emotionally invested in this tournament? Well, they gave you a reason to be emotionally invested in this tournament, and it was Drake Maverick. Really good match, um, and you know you got the Phantom Driver and you and the one two three, and you think, oh my God, it's all over. Drake Maverick's career is finished, and then Triple H comes out with that NXT contract, and he signs it, and he's still. Uh, NXT superstar and then you saw Drake Maverick in tears and we've seen a lot of tears from Drake Maverick but that was the one point and this is just a slight criticism on my part I didn't want to see the tears there because we've seen enough of it you know he 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 teared up he kind of fell into Triple H's arms I would have been like if Drake Maverick had a little bit of attitude there and been like damn right took that pen from Triple H signed that contract and I deserve this I worked my ass off and now I'm back with NXT but that's just a small criticism I love the story I love the emotional connection and I thought that was a great job by NXT last night I I kind of agree with what you're saying about the tears because the tears especially when he's standing next to Hunter, a man who's so much bigger than him in stature, it almost comes across like a crying child. But 
storyline wise the tears are full circle remember this all started on social media with drake maverick you know press and play on his old twitter machine and recording a shoot promo about him you know possibly being released and seeing where his career is going to go from here and he broke down in tears and 2.6 million viewers later the wwe uh you know took notice so ending in tears is kind of a good way to bring the story full circle but like i said when you got Hunter out there, large, grown-ass man, you know, with facial hair, brother, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, and then you got little old Spuddy there, you know, crying and kind of like, you know, in, in Hunter's arms. It does come across. I want to see, I want to see uh, Drake Maverick, the man. I want to see the perception of him being a, a man on his own two feet, as opposed to the perception being like a crying little boy. Um, one of my concerns also for that segment was, remember I said I watched AEW and then I went back on the DVR and watched NXT. I did see out an image of on social media of Hunter out there with Drake Maverick handing him the contract. So I said to myself, oh man, I hope Hunter didn't steal the moment because you know, we have, we talk about demanding the spotlight and commanding the spotlight. It's very easy for Hunter to walk out there and, you know, just take the whole moment away from Drake. Don't even, he doesn't even have to try and he can do it, but the way it was done, no music for Hunter. Hunter came out very unassuming. Hunter was very small last night. And I, this is going to be very hard to, to describe, you can, ha- you can be larger than life as a character, or you can be small. And there's a way to make yourself look small. And Hunter made himself small. He kept the spotlight on Drake Maverick last night, which was very small. He didn't say a lot. His head was down. It was kind of a whisper, uh, an encouraging hug. There was nothing grandiose about what Hunter did. Last night, Paul Levesque, the executive, came out and handed Drake Maverick a contract. There was a signature. Triple H signed it, shook his hand, gave him a little bit of hug. There was no Triple H out there last night, and I really liked that because all the focus stayed on Drake Maverick when it could have very easily have transferred over to Hunter. That didn't happen. I thought it was a successful segment. Yeah, and Bully, you're right, because as soon as he got that signature and that little hug, he walked off. He was gone, and he gave Drake Maverick by himself on that entrance ramp with that crowd that was in attendance. Really good observation, Bully, because it's 100% true. Uh, You know, it's hard for Triple H to do, but he was small in that segment and he needed it to be because it wasn't about him. And this is where you got to give Triple H a lot of credit, not only for that end of the show last night, but just for NXT and just the look of of the room, you know, know, the the crowd, the storylines, the matches. You know, we've talked a lot about how NXT is that pure wrestling show and kind of, you know, AEW has more of the entertainment value and the sizzle and you still get the wrestling but NXT is that hardcore pro wrestling show we've talked about it before bully you know when we first started wrestling what do we gravitate towards the NWA NXT is as close to the NWA as any other wrestling product right now on TV because it is about the wrestling. It is about the personalities. They're making it about the titles. They're really making those titles mean something. So 
knowing that Triple H was such a big fan of the NWA, you're seeing a lot of that bleed into NXT each and every Wednesday night. Um, Hunter was a huge NWA fan, and I and I agree with the comparison. I think what Hunter has done with NXT is he's given us that that cross section of the NWA and the Ring of Honor style, which is working really well. You know, we the the in ring style that NXT works is very exciting. We get a lot of quality matches from them. Most of the time, across the board, we're getting more more sound wrestling matches from NXT than we are from AEW matches that make more sense matches that have more psychology. I'm not going to say matches that are more exciting, but I'm going to say matches that apply to what professional wrestling is supposed to be. And we get that from NXT Hunter is Hunter is very smart. He knows what he's doing, and I know that because of conversations that I've had with him a long time ago. Hunter always wanted to have a territory like NXT. Hunter, back in 2000, 2001, was of the opinion that since WWE owned everything back then, and since they had access to Cornette, and since they had access to Heyman, and some of the other you know, really smart minds out there, Hunter wanted Vince to set up territories. He's like, since the territories worked back in the day, and now that we own everything, why don't we set up our own territories? Let's put Heyman in a territory. Let's put Cornette in a territory. Let's put, I don't, I don't know, whoever the other person was in a territory. And now we can have kind of like Division A, Division AA, Division AAA. So all of our young developmental talent can go learn from Cornette. Then they can go learn from Heyman. Then they can go learn from so-and-so. And once they get all that under their belt, now we can bring them up because they'll be seasoned. I don't like it when talent only comes up in the WWE machine. Now, if they would have did Hunter's idea back in the day, it really would have been still the WWE machine by definition, but you would have been learning from a Cornette, which is a completely different psychology. You would have been learning from a Heyman, which is a completely different psychology, and then be brought up through the system so you're very well-versed and very well-rounded as an up-and-coming pro wrestler, as just to oppose as, this is the WWE way, this is the WWE way. And I know that in, in previous interviews that I've heard Triple H in, he talked about the Performance Center because, like, in the WWE, you get caught up in that circus-type world where it's a lot about the merchandise and everything else that, you know, branches out from just the pro wrestling. And kind of Triple H, you know, would be that kind of anchor that would say, yeah, but, you know, we still have to focus on the in-ring ability and storylines that happen within the ring. And sometimes the WWE, because it is such a, a big machine, it kind of gets lost into itself. And I can understand that. You kind of forget the fundamentals. And I think Triple H is really that constant reminder of how important the fundamentals are. Because I got to be honest with you, and I'm going to put SmackDown aside, because SmackDown is almost on a week-to-week basis. The show that I see on Fridays is different from week to week. Sometimes it's awful, sometimes it's mediocre, and sometimes it's damn entertaining like the Friday that we just saw last week. Raw is very consistent in its mediocrity. And I think a lot of times Raw forgets about the fundamentals of pro wrestling. You know, building characters, building personalities, and building storylines, that's never a problem on Wednesday nights with NXT. 
You're saying that Raw forgets the fundamentals of pro wrestling, building storylines and characters. Well, Vince is in charge of just about everything, especially Raw. Vince loves characters. Vince loves storylines. So it's kind of odd that we're not getting that. Like the characters and the stories that we're getting on Raw just aren't necessarily resonating. Uh, I don't, I, I obviously... You can see the difference in the products. Vince is at Raw probably 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. And you see the product because it's got to go through the Vince filter. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's the Vince filter. It's his bat. It's his ball. He can play with it however he wants. Think about how you play with your bat and ball. So on Wednesday nights, there is no Vince filter because it's strictly Triple H. And that's why we get that product. Friday nights, Vince is around sometimes at SmackDown. Not that he doesn't know every little thing that's going on, but there's a lot more wiggle room, I believe, with SmackDown sometimes. How do I know that? Just by being on SmackDown back in the day. Sometimes Vince was not there. So it's all about that final filter and whether they're around or not. I like a lot of this. I like the majority of the stuff that I get from NXT. I like... Most of the stuff that I get from SmackDown, especially like stuff like Otis and Mandy. I mean, Otis and Mandy last week with the with the fast times at Ridgemont Amazing. High, off the charts. So entertaining. And the great thing is old old bastards like us are popping because it's funny. And new kids who have never seen it before or new fans have never seen that before are like, wow, that's interesting. Look, you know, look, look, look at jolly old, you know, uh, Otis, you know, in the pool and, and hot Mandy's looking at him like he's some kind of stud. It's entertaining no matter how old you are, no matter what era, you know, of wrestling that you come from. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not getting that. I'm getting it from the prophets and the raiders. I actually am being entertained by the prophets and the raiders. When they first started out doing this stuff, I was a little nervous. Now I think it's. I think it's hysterical. I love the thread of the women in the in the in the vignettes who are always making googly eyes at. Uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Googly eyes at uh, War Machine number one and, and Barry and War Machine number two. Hanson? <laughs> yeah, I was Hanson. Yeah. You know, I get when it comes to the War Raiders, the Viking Raiders, you know, War Machine, the, their names from when they were with Ring of Honor and now with uh, the WWE, any day you ask me their name, you're going to get a different response, but I know who you're talking about. It's not Hanson and Brody, right? No, they were attacking <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, and I understand that that's entertaining. Yeah, but the, but you're right. And and Vince McMahon has always kind of preached about storylines, personalities, characters. Like he, they're not wrestlers; they're superstars. And and right now, the War Machine is Eric and Ivar. Thank you, Gabby. So, um, and they're not War Machine; they're the Viking Raiders. But it's Eric and Ivar. Um, but you know. But there really aren't a lot of superstars on Monday Night Raw. Like they're call just because you call them superstars doesn't make them superstars. Because in order to be perceived as a superstar, there needs to be that emotional investment. And there isn't a lot of characters and personalities on Monday Night Raw where I have that emotional investment. Obviously, last night you got that with Drake Maverick because you were taken on a ride. And as you said, bully, you like a little realism in your pro wrestling there was a lot of realism 
or at least we perceived it as realism in that storyline with Drake Maverick. So, of course, there's going to be emotional investment. You know, you're watching that match and you're praying that he's not going to lose because you want another week with Drake Maverick. And now you're going to get it with him signing that contract. And they broke your heart when he got pinned last night. That's emotional investment. They're just not able to really do that with the three hours they have on Monday nights. Dave, I I agree. It's three hours of us saying, I hope something's good. I hope something's good. You know, me and Mark uh, constantly talk about uh, Apollo Crews with with, uh, the, the smile. He's too smiley. He's too happy. He's too giddy. I said to Mark yesterday, almost like, you know, Let's take his smile since he's got such a great, it's, it lights up the room. Let's use that as a character point. And what I said is, do you remember the movie American Gangster with Denzel Washington? Yes. When Denzel smiled, he would always say, my man. But when he did that, that means your ass was dead. When Apollo Crews smiles... That should mean, uh-oh, something's wrong. Now this guy's going to come after me. So like when Kevin Owens said the other night, well, I feel really bad for you because you're going to be the shortest reigning, you know, U.S. champ or whatever the hell he, he said to him or whatever champ. What is he? U.S. champ, right? He's U.S. Yes. champ. Uh, shortest reigning U.S. champ ever. That's where Apollo Crews should have just smiled for the first time and went, my man, and then drilled him right in the freaking mouth. They got to get a character. They got to get something down with him as opposed to just happy-go-lucky, smiley, you know, white meat baby face. Well, I think they're, with any kind of character or personality in movies, Bully, every personality is kind of layered. And with a lot of the characters that we're seeing on Monday Night Raw, we're not seeing those layers in the personality. It's very surface. You're not seeing anything beyond that. I I just want to clarify something because I could see people taking something the wrong way. A white meat baby face means white meat is bland on chicken, okay? I'm not referring to a white meat baby face talking about a black man. It has nothing to do with the color of their skin. An old school terminology, white meat baby face, white meat is bland. Bland baby face. Just want to clear that up for people who might not know the expression. Soccer is a passion that goes beyond the sport. And Sirius XMFC's podcast, More Than a Game, brings that passion to you. Can you believe it? In each episode, FC's panel of experts take a deep dive into club histories, iconic grounds, bitter rivalries, and so much more. There's nothing like a Derby Day in Manchester. New episodes are available weekly by downloading the Pandora app and searching More Than a Game. The Dave LaGreca quintessential power rankings will return right here on Busted Open. No, they're not. Oh, yes, they are. Word came down. Again, this is not my, this is an executive decision. Uh, starting next week, the Dave LaGreca quintessential power rankings will start once again here on Busted Open. No, they're not. Oh, no, they are. Oh yes, you don't have you don't have that say, bully. Okay, the power rankings will return. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. 
you can pout and shout all you want that they're not going to return. But let me assure you, oh, yes, they will return next week, bully. I'm neither pouting nor shouting. You're the shouter when you feel you need to get your point across. Just go on social media. You have people telling you that all the time. Why does he feel the need to yell all the time? And I tell our fans because you're an angry person. And you're going to wind up getting even angrier when you realize the power rankings are not returning. Well, let's find out on Monday. Monday when we return 9 to noon Eastern time live for three hours as it should be. And it should have honestly have been since day one. But I digress. We'll see. Listen, listen. We'll see if my power rankings are on the show Monday. Okay, bully? We'll see. I'll tell you what. I bet you if we were to leave it up to our fans, the Busted Open Nation, they would want power rankings to return. But they would want the Bully Ray power rankings, the Bully Ray credible power rankings, and not the Dave LaGreca, Mark, I'm a fan of, Chase the Hug power rankings. No, I think bias, I think they like the bias. Uh, bias. I think they like the bias uh, power rankings. Quite honestly, no, they don't. You know, you know what? Speaking of the busted open nation, why don't we go out to the busted open nation, bully? Sure, keep chasing that hug, Dave. I'm not chasing a hug. It's called just good programming. All right, let's go out to Dale in Harrisburg. Dale, what's going on, buddy? How are you, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Long Dale, let me ask you a question, Dale. Dale, let me ask you a question. Are you excited that I, Busted Open is going back to being live for three hours every day? Yes. Are you yes. excited that the quintessential Dave LaGreca pro wrestling power rankings are returning next week? Yes, because if anything, they're entertaining. That, damn right they're entertaining. You're right. <laughs> That's what we do. We entertain the people. What do you got on your mind, Dale? Uh, so uh, NXT, the Drake Maverick uh, situation, that's the first time in a long time that WWE got me. Like, I mean, it was emotional because, like, you thought he was – you knew that, like, you heard he got cut, you know, a month ago, but he was going to go through this. So you're rooting for him to win, and he doesn't. And you're like, oh, man, this is just horrible. And then, like, I didn't even – you know, I didn't see Hunter – I didn't see that coming. You know, Hunter walks out and gives him the contract, and uh, it got a little dusty up here. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first time WWE got me in a long time. And, I mean, and NXT is by far the best product they put out. Like, you know, Raw and SmackDown, I'll be honest, I DVR that, and I fast-forward through a lot of it. But NXT, you know, I try to watch that. You know, I watch the whole thing every Wednesday night. You know what, Dale? I mean, I love what Dale had to say because, honestly, I agree with Dale. Number one, NXT is the best WWE product right now. And number two, you know, we had, like, Becky Lynch announcing on Monday Night Raw that she was relinquishing the title, that she was starting a fan, uh, a family, and she was pregnant. So, obviously, you get a little emotional because she's starting. That's a real-life situation, though I thought they did their best to muck it up a little bit. Like, it could have been so much better than what it was, in my opinion. But I agree with Dale Bully in the fact that when's the last time a storyline, forget about a real-life situation like a return from injury or Roman 
Reigns' very real uh, battle with leukemia, which obviously a lot of people are emotional about. When was the last time the WWE had a storyline that you were this emotionally invested in? And the 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 thing about this storyline that I appreciate so much is I don't believe it was started by the WWE. I think it was Drake Maverick going into business for himself and sparking the, the you know, being the first spark in the fire that became this storyline. So to have Dale call in and said that they got him, that they put the hook in the mouth and they reeled him in, that's great because that's what pro wrestling is supposed to be all the time. Storylines like that, used to happen every single week and paid and, and it was like a great soap opera it's like how do uh young and the restless general hospital that soap operas that have been around for 40 years five days a week an hour every day how do they stay on tv because at the end of every episode they put a hook in your mouth and make you want to watch the next day and that's what this drake maverick story did for us yeah, you know what? And Dale, thank you so much for the phone call. I'll take it a step further because again, you don't you didn't know what, you know, and a lot we said this about the attitude era and WCW or, you know, in the 90s where it was like, is this is this real? Like is Drake Maverick really going to lose his job? Like you did not know. And when that match was over and he lost and he's given doing the rounds and waving, he's looking around like, "Hey, this is the final time I'm going to see this place because I just got my ass fired." Like that was real to me. And then to see Triple H come out there to give that contract and then that's emotional investment because you didn't know, Bully. The lines were blurred. Did he really get let go, or was that a storyline? Was it that, was it that uh, tweet that tweet of his video with him in tears? Was that real or was it not real? I don't know. I really don't know. And that's what's awesome about pro wrestling is you don't know. That's what you want. You know. Go ahead, Bully, please. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, I mean, so much when it comes to pro wrestling, it's predictable. You know, the dirt sheets now kind of spoil the party in a lot of ways. They weren't able to spoil this party because you really didn't know what was, you know, just storyline or what was truly reality. Who's the NXT general manager? It's William Regal. How come Regal didn't come out and offer the contract? Because if Regal came out, then you would have known that it was storyline. So that's why Hunter comes out and does it, right? Yes. If you really wanted to hit a grand slam with that segment, if you really wanted it to be off the charts and ultra, ultra believable, if you really wanted to shock everybody, you know who should have handed Drake Maverick the contract? Who? Vince McMahon himself. You would have never seen that coming. Vince just walks up to Drake, hands him the contract. Drake signs. Now we now forget the tears. Now we don't get tears anymore because Drake and and Hunter have a relationship. It's kind of like that father son thing that Hunter has with everybody in NXT. Vince comes out there, completely different dynamic. Now the chairman is coming out and acknowledging this kid who did what Vince professes from day one. 
Grab the brass ring. Get yourself over. That's what this kid did with his social media. Here comes Vince. Here's your contract. And here's the thing. It's the ultimate sign of you did what I preach. Yeah, see, that would have been phenomenal. But then again, you look at Drake Maverick, and this is another example. What was Drake Maverick doing on Monday Night Raw? He was peeing his pants. Now you have him on NXT, and he's got you so emotionally invested. I mean, I probably just remind – I know I don't think any time during this tournament do you remember Drake Maverick in the ring with AOP pissing his pants because they did such a great job getting you emotionally invested. You forgot all the nonsense, and you were concentrated on this guy's career. When you, the minute you see – listen, the Hunter thing went – Oh, great. I, yes. I really, really liked it. But I always look of how we can make things absolutely off the charts better. The minute Hunter comes out and you see that that um, that clipboard or whatever the hell he had in his hand, you know right then and there what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. If Vince McMahon comes out, do you know right then and there what's happening? No. You have no idea. And that would make people go, oh. <gasps> You'd, there would be a collective gasp. Like, what the hell is Vince doing on NXT? What is Vince handing him? That And that moment, Vince McMahon handing Drake Maverick that contract and giving the nod of approval and walking away? Wow. That, that kid is made. Not that he's not made with Hunter. Not that he's not made in that, in that moment in time. But Vince would have been complete shock value. It would have been actually great for him to give him a hug and be like, you know what? Like you overhear it. There's no microphones, but over here, like I was wrong about you. I I was wrong. wrong. No hug. No, because Vince will never admit that he's wrong. That I don't want to hear Vince admit he's wrong. I Vince coming out and offering the contract is admission enough. Drake signs it. Vince looks at him. Vince extends the hand to Drake. Vince McMahon is extending his hand to Drake Maverick. There's the, the seal the deal right there. Now, as a viewer, I know Drake Maverick did what Vince McMahon constantly professes. Grab that brass ring. Get yourself over ruthless aggression. In a way, Drake Maverick showed ruthless aggression because he's like, I got to do what I got to do. Now, yes, it fell into a storyline within NXT. And even if it was a storyline from day one, I don't give a damn. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Work, shoot, shoot, work. A work, shoot, brother. Don't work yourself into a shoot while we're working, brother. Doesn't matter. It worked. But Vince Vince would have been that. That would be incredible icing on the cake. Boxing, culture, lifestyle. The Yak and Barack Show. Floyd Mayweather a while back was kind of discrediting young fighters that are calling Manny out. And that's what Floyd's about. That's why Floyd fought Conor McGregor. Because it's business. It's about making the biggest payday. All these fighters want to fight each other. But there's a reason they're calling out Manny. And you can't blame him, especially after the win he had against Keith Thurman, man. It's a business, man. It's prize fighting. Weekdays from noon till 3 Eastern. Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. All right, what do you want to talk about next? AW, I, come on, man. Come on, Didn't man. you listen do to something. my tease? Didn't you listen to my tease? We're getting, we got to talk a lot. NXT's still on the table with the busted open nation, but we got to get into what I thought was a very good AEW Dynamite last night. Not yet. Why? I really liked uh, NXT doing Mia Yim 
and uh, Keith Lee versus uh, Gargano and Candice. I am a big fan of interracial, not interracial, intergender tag team matches. Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh, and I want to see them go down this road a lot more. I want to see all of pro wrestling go down this road a lot more. With women wrestlers being as credible as they are today, I don't see why we can't do more of them. It worked back in the day. It can work again. As long as the physicality between the men and the women is psychologically sound, justified, and warranted. Obviously, we're not looking for men to punch women in the face, and we're not looking for tiny women to be able to pick up and body slam big, big men. But if done the right way, everything can work, and I like the idea of NXT going with intergender tag team matches. And there's two guys I know, one that I'm very much into, one that you're very much into, had big wins last night as well. Cameron Grimes, who I know you're a big fan of, once again, keeping that momentum going with a big win. And I I love Isaiah Swerve Scott, and he had a big win as well. They're doing a good job. Again, they're not rushing it. And sometimes even I get a little impatient. I remember Mark Henry being on about Keith Lee, about when is he going to get his time? And that seems like such a long time ago because obviously he's had his time. And he's doing great things with it. They do a good job of like not grabbing a hold of somebody and throwing them into your face right away. Build little wins here and there. And then you get emotionally invested. And then they have that big match where they get to that next plateau. NXT is doing a great job with that as well, Bully. Also love the package on Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, and Io Shirai. And wow, did they... Last night, I think I was more invested in Io Shirai than I've ever been. The way that package was presented, the way it was laid out, the way other talents spoke about Io Shirai. I think Rosenberg spoke about it. Natty, yep. every, a lot of different people. Sam. Like, like in that moment in time, and this is the power of pro wrestling and programming when done right. In, in a matter of minutes... The WWE had me believing that Io Shirai is better than Asuka. I'm not saying that they did that for everybody, but that's what they did for me. And that's the power of the WWE machine. It was a great package about all three women, but Io Shirai came out like a star in that because they were saying she's got the look, she's got the the psychology, she's got the in-ring move, she's got this, that. I'm like, man, this girl has it all. Reminded me of Asuka back in NXT. Reminded me of Asuka when she first came up to the main roster. I'm almost looking at, like, Io almost looks like a, a sharper version of Asuka. Remains to be seen. But I'm looking forward to see where they're going with her next. Well, I think because when you look at NXT as opposed to Asuka on Monday Night Raw, and listen, Asuka's been amazing and very, very entertaining. But NXT has more of that pro wrestling competitive nature to it where... We say it all the time. Monday Night Raw is a variety show. Yes, it has wrestling, but there's a lot of, you know, it's probably 50-50 at this point when you look at the wrestling and, like, the gags and the entertainment. It truly is a variety show. 
That's not the way it is with NXT. It's a competitive pro wrestling show. So when you present a package like they did last night for Rhea and for Io Shirai, that's their intention is to get you to look at Io Shirai like, wow, this is somebody This is somebody I have to watch. This is somebody. This is the reason why I got to tune in next week. I really want to see how Io Shirai's career progresses. You don't get that on Monday Night Raw. They don't present the same kind of packages on Monday Night Raw because they're so focused on giving that entertainment entertainment side and that you know that over-the-top character side that they forget that they're trying to present you a pro wrestler nxt doesn't forget that they know the goal in mind that they have each week uh they attained that goal last night with me when it came to io shirai they've done three women there they've done a great job uh three young women there they've done a great job of getting me interested in and getting me emotionally connected to bianca belair rhea ripley Io Shirai. Yeah, and now Bianca Belair is over on Monday Night Raw, and, you know, we really haven't seen a lot of Bianca Belair. I hope she doesn't get lost in the sauce, man. I know, I know. I hope she doesn't get lost up there. I have more faith now in getting moved over to SmackDown. Like, you know, Riddle is going over to SmackDown. We saw the package that they had for Matt Riddle. And again, like... Man, this is where I think a lot of times the quote-unquote main roster misses the mark, Bully, and that Matt Riddle is all about the bro, and I, and I get it. That's a fun part. But, like, man, I would have shown a lot of what he was able to do in that last match, that physicality part of Matt Riddle. It's, that doesn't mean anything on the main roster. But I do have a lot more faith in Matt Riddle on SmackDown than I would if he went to Monday Night Raw. When the minute you move Matt Riddle to Monday Night Raw, I now immediately want to see one match. And I know I'm going to get absolutely killed for this, but I don't care because I've never cared. I want to see Riddle and Goldberg face to face. I want to see what happens. All this talk about Riddle talks shit about Goldberg and Goldberg and Riddle and Riddle got in Brock's face and Brock and Riddle, blah, blah. Hell, give me Brock and Riddle too. I don't care. Give me these things that supposedly happened in real life. Give me these backstage confrontations. Give me Matt Riddle who talks shit about Goldberg, who talks shit about Brock Lesnar. Now give me them in the ring because I'm already ready for it. I'm primed for it. It's there. Now I want to see Matt Riddle say all this crap to Goldberg's face. Matt Riddle and Thatcher the other night in that fire pit, thunderdome, pit of doom match. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. That's now that that's now what I want to see from Matt Riddle. It was really good. But I don't know anybody on the main roster. Yeah, can Cesaro do that with Matt Riddle? Absolutely. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure there's other guys on the main roster that can do it. But with Thatcher and Riddle, two guys who are really going at it to make a name for themselves, as opposed to the main roster guys who are over already. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that same style of match from Riddle and a Raw uh, or SmackDown star, wherever he's going to wind up. And I never say yeah, what it's SmackDown. They could, they could switch. Yeah, they could. Oh, moment. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, you know, they, they said he's coming to SmackDown on Friday, but like, you're a hundred percent. They could completely change their mind today. And then on Monday, you see Matt Riddle. I mean, anything can happen when it comes to the WWE. That whole draft bullshit is right out the window. Wild card rule. This four week, you can get, you know, four appearances with, with you give two weeks notice, you can have an appearance. That's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. 
if if it's we haven't seen we're, when we're going to see Riddle for the first time. I mean, the package was shown on uh, this past Friday, so I would think somehow, some way, you're going to see him probably tomorrow night. Uh, if it's me, if I have the pencil, Matt Riddle shows up tomorrow night. You hit his music. He gets in the ring. He says, "Bro." The minute he says bro, you either hit Goldberg's music or Brock Lesnar's music. Bang, you give it to me right off the bat. I don't want to wait. The story is there. Before the kid can even get off to the races, he's already got one of those monsters in his face. Obviously, the Brock the Brock thing is a perfect scenario because if you get Brock and Riddle squaring off, especially with all the bullshit that we heard that went on between the both of them backstage, oh my God, I am rubbing my hands together. I'm sitting back. Take my money. Yeah, I mean, I'm into it. I don't think that it would ever happen. I would yeah, love well, to see I'm it a happen. Than they are. No, I, I, you definitely are because they're going to make it more about. Look at me! I wrestle with no shoes, and he throws off the sandals and bro, like it, it's. I, I don't have faith. I have no faith. Anyway, let's get into. But you gotta AEW. have faith. I like. Yeah, you, you gotta. You know, a but, handsome you know. man. Who? George Michael. Oh, George Michael, big, yes. He was a big mark was... for the ripped jeans, the five o'clock shadow, the leather jacket. Like a I was a big fan. I was a big fan of George Michael when it wasn't cool to be, you know, because I was like, you know, in high school, Maiden and Priest and Metallica, the leather jacket. I can't go around saying I'm listening to George Michael. It would be like once I left the school parking lot, I put on a little George Michael. You know what I you mean? You seem more like, uh, what was the other guy's name? And Andrew Ridley, Andy Ridley. What was the guy's name? What, the other guy from Wham? The other guy from Wham. The other, no, what do you, what, what, what? What was his name? Andrew Ridley? I don't know. Nobody knows his name because it doesn't matter. That's why you seem more like <laughs> the other guy from Wham. No, nah, that people know. They'll remember my name when I'm doing my power rankings on Monday. Let's get into AEW Bully because one hell of a show. And let's start with the main event that we saw between Cody Rhodes and Jungle Boy. Cody Rhodes, your TNT champion, and he's going to be defending that title each and every week on AEW Dynamite. One hell of a match with Jungle Boy. And I got to be honest with you, Bully. First of all, it went away that I never thought I would see in that match. And they gave the handshake at the end and, you know, all, all everything outside of what happened in between those ropes and outside the ring last night. But a, a different side of Cody, pretty aggressive Cody Rhodes. And we used to, we're used to seeing that in matches with MJF and with what we saw, you know, this past, you know, double or nothing. Wasn't expecting to see that against Jungle Boy last night. I liked the match. I think it did a world of good for Jungle Boy. Credible match for him. Um, I'm not sure why Cody bled. Doesn't matter, though. Red means green. I'm always down for some good blood in the middle of a wrestling match. I did have a problem with the finish, though. As much as I liked the match, I did have a problem with the finish. Did you? Um, I don't know if I, I wouldn't say I had a problem with the finish. I just, Cody was very uncharacteristic in that setting. Now, I don't know if a, a seed is being planted there, but you know, him getting frustrated, him taking Jungle Boy and throwing him over the barricade, Cody taking out the table it was Cody who took out that table last night. Not things that I expected to see from Cody Rhodes in that match last night. Would you say, or would you agree with, Cody Rhodes could have put his toe in the water 
into heel tendencies last night? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. You think the AEW fan base would buy into it if they ever decided to go down that road? Um, because Cody is kind of the face of AEW. Um, I think it might be difficult, but then again, you know, this is in normal situations when you look at AEW. You know, they can have some creative freedom because there's no crowd in attendance. You said it last week, I believe, bullying that. It's very hard to do certain things with Cody in an arena full of 10,000 people because those fans in attendance are going to cheer for Cody. But judging from social media after Double or Nothing, you saw a lot of those people that were a little bit upset about the fact that Cody came out as champion. Again, it's the difference between the fans that are in attendance for AEW events and for the fans that are sitting home on their couch watching AEW. Well, right now, that's all you have because you don't have the 10,000 fans in attendance for AEW. So if you wanted to go down that route, I think now would be the perfect time. Cody kind of doing some heelish stuff last night. Kind of. Kind of. Tully handing the glove to Spears. FTR, the revolt, the revival, whatever you want to call them. Hmm. Cody, Spears, the revival, Arn, Tully. Is there anything there? Well, I mean, there's definitely something between Arn and Tully. There's a history between Arn and Tully. Am I am I uh am I reaching too far here? No, because Jungle Boy is that young pro wrestler, doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, just been involved for, you know, a cup of coffee. Getting this great, I mean, they even said it, this is the match of his career so far. You know, he's gotten some impressive wins, but now he's actually wrestling for a championship and he's in there against the main eventer of all main eventers for AEW, Cody Rhodes. So you would think that Cody would be, you know, hey, nice physical matchup that, you know, Cody would win pretty much with ease. But, you know, Jungle Boy would get a lot of offense in and, and, and completely shine. And then you get the handshake and Cody would move on and Jungle Boy would move on with an impressive loss to Cody. But that's not the way it played out. When Cody Rhodes is busted open, when Cody Rhodes is taking Jungle Boy and throwing him over the barricade to the audience, when Cody Rhodes is taking out a table, I mean, does that seem like a gentlemanly thing to do for Cody? Is that a let's have a match, you know, like two gentlemen having a match? Didn't seem that way from Cody's perspective last night. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. So Cody pulls out the table. Cody, get the tables. Ha, ha, ha. See what he did there? Um, and then they're both standing on the top rope. 
Yeah. Cody pulls Jack towards him, and they both fall backwards through the table. Who went through the table first? I, I kind of saw it as they both kind of went through it, say, uh, you know, kind of both went through it together. That's the way I saw it. It looked more like an offensive move from Jungle Boy to Cody, to me. And Cody was up really quick from that table bump. So even if they went through together, that's a bump from the top turnbuckle to the floor through a table. Bumps like that have taken out much larger men for a much longer period of time. Bumps like that have been final bumps in TLC matches to keep guys out of the rest of the match or to keep them down for at least five minutes. Didn't get that. Last night, that was a monster bump to the floor through a table that Cody got up from really, really quick. I mean, it, you know, it's you're absolutely right because they were getting towards the end of the show. So maybe it was a little rushed because they're at the end of the show and it was taped. Last night was, you know, was taped. But again, was it necessary? Was it necessary storyline-wise or in that match to have that type of a fall into a table? I, I don't know why in the, like, the, the it's the TNT television title, right? Yeah. So in the TV, TNT television title, first defense, we got blood. We got a table. Like, I, between two perceived baby faces, like we're talking about Cody kind of a little odd last night. Maybe we're reading too much into it. No big deal. But if you're, go- listen, it wasn't just a bump through the table. It wasn't like a move through the table. It's like they were both on the floor and then Cody and, and Jungle Boy kind of ran and went through the table together. They were standing on the top turnbuckle, the top rope. They fell off the top turnbuckle to the floor through a table. That's a monster bump. I don't like moves that are prostituted. I don't like bumps that are prostituted, and I despise table bumps that are prostituted. Last night, that bump, that move, was prostituted. Guys were up too quick. Another major problem I have with it is the freaking referee. And it's not just about AEW referees. It's referees across the board. I hate when referees come out to the floor to check on wrestlers. Your job is to not check on wrestlers. Your job is to count. That is a television championship match, and both legal guys are now on the outside. You should be counting, because if you count and you got to 10 or 20, if it's an AEW, I don't even know, that means the match would end in what type of finish, Dave? It would no contest. Double count, double count out. Double count out, which is a legitimate finish to any type of wrestling match that includes rules. And the TV championship should include rules, the same types of rules that a World Heavyweight Championship match should have. 
And if it ended that way, Bully, if it ended that way, if you had the table and you had that spot and both could not answer the count for the referee, then it makes sense. Because now, all right, now we're going to have to have a rematch between Jungle Boy and Cody Rhodes. Now you're like, holy shit. Not only did Jungle Boy have a good showing, but he actually has now caused a rematch between the two. And maybe, just maybe, Jungle Boy could beat Cody for that title. Now I understand why you have the table spot. Absolutely. Now we can come back next week and we can do it all over again. And it gives us week to week programming. There was nothing about that bump, that table. None of that made sense to me, especially Cody popping right up. Did it just not hurt? Is falling from the top turnbuckle to the floor through a table something that we can just brush off? I guess it is. Well, you know, you're at, you asked me, like, who was on the offensive? Who got the most of that table spot? Like, you know, and you mentioned, like, Cody got up really quick. So let's just say Jungle Boy took the brunt of the table, and that's why Cody was able to get up as quick as he did. Don't forget, when they got back in the ring, Jungle Boy was the one who almost got the near fall when they got back into the ring. So again, it's like, even if you have the excuse of like that he took the brunt of the fall, he's the one that almost got the near fall, which doesn't make any sense because then that's when Cody got the crossroads, was able to win the match. Again, it's just, uh, I, I don't understand the psychology of the table or why even have the table. Because again, that's, that's very much a heelish move to A, take your opponent, throw him over the barricade, and then to take out, the, then to move the table. Go ahead, Bully. Just watch it on, I just pulled it up on the Twitter machine while you were talking. Cody went through the table definitively first. He pulls Jungle Boy with him. Cody goes back first through the table, Jungle Boy on top. Now, Jungle Boy might be a buck fifty soaking wet with a brick in his pocket and a feather in his mouth, but he's still 150 pounds of dead weight coming down right on top of Cody. They did not go through side by side. They did not go through that table like Bubba Ray and Matt Hardy at WrestleMania when they both went through at the exact same time. It looked like a, even though Cody was initiating the offense, it looked like an offensive mover from Jungle Boy putting Cody through the table. Cody's up within seconds. We're throwing away a table bump, not just any old table bump. We're throwing away a huge table bump. Cannot do that. It's not smart psychology, and you're going to burn through stuff. The ref coming to the floor in these matches has to stop. And not just AEW, across the board, especially with all the medical attention. And we, we know that AEW actually kind of puts the camera and the spotlight on their medical staff a lot. We know yeah. WWE's got medical staff at ringside 24-7. I think WWE medical staff watches the talent when they sleep to make sure that they don't get sleep apnea. That's how on top of their, their, their talent they, they are. My point is this. Across the board, what should happen is referees should stay in the freaking ring. And if the two legal guys in a singles match or the two legal guys in a tag match are outside of the ring and they're down and they're hurt from a big move, medical staff should go over and they should check on the talent and then they can put their hand in the air to let the referee know both guys have responded, both girls have responded, whatever the case is, and now the referee can start the count. Now it's up to the guys or gals that took the bump to sell, register, and work within the confines 
counts of the 10 count or the 20 count. That's smart psychology. That's not lazy psychology and just doing something for the sake of doing it and not giving a damn about the rules of the match. And the other thing is, I don't remember bully, and and I don't, and I don't know when it happened. I don't know when the turn happened, but referees never left the ring. They would never ever leave the ring as soon as the action would spill out, no matter what. One, two. I was just watching a match between Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper the other night, and 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 Snuka did a dive off over the top rope onto Piper, who was outside the ring. As soon as that happened, Dick Worley. One, two, and it and the match ended in a count out. You know, and 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 Snuka, his head hit the barricade. He was busted wide open, as Gorilla Monsoon said. But Dick Worley never left the ring. One, two. Again, I don't understand why you had the table. Why? What's the significance of the table if as immediately as soon as you go through it, you're going to go right back into the ring and the match is going to continue? Because it didn't just go from like, all right, Cody went through the ring and then Jungle Boy tossed him in and the Jungle Boy got a bunch of offense. No, it went through where Cody got up, Jungle Boy got one maneuver in, and then Cody did the crossroads. Like the match was over within a minute, I, I believe, as soon as that table spot happened. The match, was, the match ended pretty quickly after that table spot. It did. And it, it should not have ended that way. I mean, I know with- you want to give Jungle Boy a lot of attention, and you're giving him a lot of attention by by Cody getting busted open, by him being thrown over the barricade by Cody, by uh, by the by that table spot. But at the same time, I understand Cody getting busted open. You know, he missed, he hit the wall, he got busted open, and then Jungle Boy took advantage of that and took over the match and took over the offense. That's somebody like that's the underdog taking advantage of a of a situation like. Cody getting busted open, but the table spot at the end just doesn't make any sense. And again, Cody pulled out that table early, so obviously you were setting that up. And if it's setting up for a big spot, I understand it, but you got to sell it too. And it's happening in the WWE as well. We're starting to see these spots with these big dives off the top rope and table spots where it's just becoming another maneuver, where that should be the end of a match, not the continuation of a match. I, I, I totally agree. And this has nothing to do with, you know, uh, you know, me with, you know, the tables and the relationship I have with the with the move or the use of the gimmick. This is across the board, man. I don't like it when moves are prostituted. You know how I feel about a DDT. You know how I feel about the 27 super kicks in a match. I don't mind any move being used. I don't mind gimmicks being used. I'm in total agreement with it. I love it when they go outside the box and do things. But you have to put the credibility on the move or the gimmick. Whether it's a chair shot, a ladder bump, a table bump, a super kick, a side headlock takeover. I've never seen anybody utilize a side headlock takeover so effectively as Randy Orton. He makes me think that he can actually win a match with a side headlock takeover or an arm bar because of the way he cinches it in that's putting credibility on a move riddle and thatcher were credible they made me believe that their physicality really freaking hurt 
After last night, am I to believe that any Tom, Dick, Harry, Sue, or Mary can stand on a top turnbuckle, fall to the floor through a table, and just pop right up? Should not happen. And and the and the referee stuff has just got me. I don't. It's it's got to stop. Referees checking on talent. Are you okay? Are you okay? After, especially in WWE, it's like after every. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Move, it's ridiculous. Every, especially WWE. when your girl is in the ring. When Charlotte's in the ring, Charlotte takes a back bump. A referee's like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" It's got. It's got to stop. No, the the, the attention. Let you know if there's anything wrong. And you want to know something? The attention of the move is to not be okay. That's how you win matches. You know what I'm saying? It's taking advantage. Taking advantage. They're stopping the action. And now, like it's it's ridiculous. Now, if you want to do somebody's like busted wide open and they're bleeding, even though back in the day they wouldn't stop it. If you want to like check on that or, but now it's like it's you're right. It's like a fucking backbreaker, and all of a sudden are you okay? You know they they go into the turnbuckle and they twist their ankle a little bit. All right, the match stops. You got to make sure that they're okay. Well, no, that's how you. Then if 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 they did twist their ankle, then the opponent. It takes advantage of that ankle, and that's how you win a match. I, I don't understand why everything is getting stopped by every little bit. Like it, it is, it's, it's become ridiculous. I am, I am now noticing referees entirely too much, and for all the wrong reasons. And 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 the th- and and Dave, this didn't just start right now with me hating referees going to the floor when they should be counting in the ring, right? Yeah. Think back to conversation number one between me and you. What Okada my, and Omega. What was my biggest problem with Okada Omega? It's way too much action outside the ring, and the fact that they're outside the ring for like what seems like eternity when the referee should be in the ring counting especially when they have the luxury of a 20 count. And the way the referee count, you can turn that 20 count into a 40 count with the with the you could go 1 2 I can take an extra second or two between the one and two, stretch that count out to as long as those guys need. But if you need to be on the floor for 40 seconds, there's something wrong with the psychology of your match. You should have planned it a different way. So if you do go to the floor, somebody can get back to the ring to break the count in yes. the, in the, in the, and work within the rules and regulations. Now the match makes psychological sense. All you got to do, thank you, Bully, is roll into to the ring, break the count, and go back outside the ring again. I mean, it's what's been going on forever in pro wrestling. So there's really no reason at all. I mean, hell, look at the first WrestleMania. Why was Muhammad Ali involved in the match? He was the outside the ring enforcer. He was the outside the ring referee. Why? Because the referee stays in the ring. I wouldn't even care if there was a second ref. Well, you really can't have a second referee because then you run into the problem of things going on behind the referee's back and the other referee should see it. Medical staff at ringside so that if you do have something like last night, Cody and Jungle Boy from the top turnbuckle through the table, the minute that happens, the minute they touch the floor is when a referee should start counting because the two legal guys are now outside of the ring and now there's a mandatory 10 or 20 count in AEW, not sure. The medical staff goes to Cody and Jungle Boy. Are you okay? Yes. Are you okay? Yes. The, the the medical staff looks at the referee, gives them the high sign, they're okay. Now the count starts. 
Now we have worked within the psychology of the match. One. Two, and now when you get to nine, right as both guys are about to be counted out, boom, somebody gets back in the ring. We've now put credibility on the bump. Wow, that bump took both guys out for almost a 10 count. But Cody was able to just make it back in the ring to break the count. And as soon as he breaks the count, he rolls right back out, throws Jungle Boy back in the room, boom, hits the finisher, done. I'm trying to think back like when this all started because it just wasn't this way. And now it's just become like every single show you have the referee checking on everybody almost uh, at nauseum. And it's becoming very, very irritating. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.